welcome to Off the Books, where we're surfing the uncharted waters of accounting, finance, and wherever else the waves take us. This episode is brought to you by Workiva, the risk reporting and compliance platform that simplifies complex work. Check it out at workiva.com slash podcast. My name is Nick Rinkowski, and I'm your host. I'm not an accountant, but I like asking questions of people who are so finance professionals can do their jobs better. We are enjoying a solid summer vacation of sun, surfing, and soda. We wanted to get back in the studio for this special bonus episode on a very important topic. This week, we are joined by the redoubtable Steve Soder. Say hello, Steve. Hello to our audience. Steve Soder, accounting enthusiast and Diet Coke aficionado. I'm looking forward to debiting some discussion with our guest today. Yes, very much so. And we'll get to our guest in a minute because... I wanted to ask you about something that the SEC and Sox professional group hosted recently, a a women's leadership roundtable. And I know you were in attendance. So can you tell us what you heard and what you learned and who the roundtable was for? Sure. Yeah, it's a great question, Nick. It it really was for everybody. Of course, it was billed and titled as a women's leadership roundtable and certainly focused on those issues. But Honestly, I heard personal experiences, I heard practical advice, and actually learned a lot about issues that, frankly, I realized I just don't appreciate enough. I like personal experiences, I like practical advice, I like learning about issues I don't know enough about, so we should bring on our guest, who is Penny Ashley Lawrence, the VP of Customer Success at Workiva, who was very much a part of the roundtable. Hello, Penny, how are you? Hey, Nick, I'm doing really well. Yeah, that was a fun roundtable. I learned a lot as well. Great questions, great advice, and sticky subjects, but things we have to talk about, and this is how we grow. So it was a really uh, robust roundtable. Glad to participate. Great, and you're absolutely right. Talking about even the stickiest of subjects is the only way to grow. We've been talking about roundtables, discussions, communication. Communication is a key part of the, I think, issue as far around women's leadership. People tend to communicate in one of three styles, passive, assertive, or aggressive, with assertive being the least common communication style. Being assertive can help you express your ideas, boost your self-esteem, earn others' respect, and even reduce stress. But often it feels like women are inherently mischaracterized as too passive or too aggressive as compared to their male counterparts. Steve, you mentioned things you weren't aware of or things that you don't think about much. I think about what I say, but very rarely about how I say it. That's just not a concern. I think a lot of men feel in the workplace, uh, but women, I think, do have to police themselves or feel like the way they speak or their tone of voice or are they being perceived too aggressively, too passively, on and on and on, is a huge issue. What advice do you have, Penny, for women to overcome that issue? It really is an interesting perspective because you think you are being assertive or passive aggressive, but it's really how you're perceived, what lens are people seeing you through. And this is something I've experienced personally. Some would say I'm very assertive. Some would say I'm very aggressive, especially when I want something. I would prefer to call it persuasive when I want something, but somebody else may call it pushy. And that's just not men's lens that they see. Women assert that to women as well, to each other. But it's the classic problem of a woman is pushy and bossy and a man with the same behavior is seen as assertive and confident. Even personally, this happens in your personal relationships. But from a professional standpoint, I made enough mistakes along the way that I can offer some guidance, right? First of all, it is a two-way street. It's not just women need to uh, overcome this. It's the audience. Like I said before, 
we hold women to a different standard. So the next time you're in a conversation or an audience, when a woman is being assertive, ask yourself, am I filtering this through a lens that, that's unfair? If this was a man talking, would I be uncomfortable with this? Would I be impressed? A really good example for those of you who remember Brandy Chastain, the soccer player, the women's soccer won the cup and Brandy Chastain, the star of the team, did what all men do after they win a soccer championship. She ripped off her jersey and slid into the goal and she was wearing a bra top and the world almost fell off its axis because she did this. And it's exactly what the men do. And it was such a controversy, but it's an example of how we view men and women through a different lens. And to keep sports, you know, Serena, Serena Williams is often thought of as too aggressive. And a lot of think pieces, a lot of ink and digital bites have been spilled about her behavior on the court in a way that doesn't happen necessarily uh, with her male counterparts, which is interesting to think about. Yeah. Do you remember the first female basketball player who dunked? She took a lot of heat for that <laughs> because they saw it as her being too aggressive. That was a long time ago. That's probably 20 years ago. I'm showing my age, but this is why I have experience to talk about, right? Because I've been around for a while. And the other thing I would say to women is play to your strengths, right? The idea is not for women to act like men, but leverage what comes to you naturally. And there's a lot of research out there that shows women are more empathetic. They have more emotional intelligence that comes to them naturally. Leverage that and, and learn how to communicate with those skills, those gifts, and take other people into consideration. Women put themselves in other people's shoes. So if you listen with the intent to understand rather than reply, sometimes that can give you a little bit more room to devise what you want to say. Give yourself a little bit of space to think through it because the reality is you are going to be seen through that lens and you have to understand that and make some sort of accommodation. But the fact that women are empathetic, self-aware, and can read the room a little bit better gives us that advantage to understand how we're coming across. Record yourself. I do that a lot. If I public speak or if I have a staff meeting, I will record myself and I will listen to how I came across and try to put myself in other people's shoes and understand how they may have interpreted my tone, my body language, and also just my words. I couldn't think of anything more painful for me to record myself and then have to listen to it. Oh, it's so painful. Which is kind of funny because we're recording a podcast right now that I will inevitably end up listening to <laughs> again. Yeah. I, I think I know what you mean, Steve, because it's just a different exercise than this, which is a conversation, whereas you are not necessarily listening to your voice in terms of how you're being perceived. And I think when we listen back to the podcast, it's all content-based, not necessarily style-based, which is something that I just simply don't have to think about very much. And I think you're absolutely right, Penny, when you say it's a two-way street. Yes, this is a quote-unquote issue to overcome. That's the way I framed it when I asked the question. But it's also the responsibility of all the listeners to check themselves to make sure that they're being equally professional across all people when they hear something or are in conversation with someone. Plus, the, the crack squad at the Off the Book Studios does a phenomenal job editing out uh, all of the flubs. They don't realize that a 22-minute uh, episode actually takes us an hour and a half just to get recorded. <laughs> Speaking of the crack squad at the Off the Book Studios, we need to go to a commercial to make sure that our entire giant staff can continue to have their jobs. So we will be right back with Penny Ashley Lawrence. This episode of Off the Books is brought to you by Workiva, the reporting platform that believes that there is always a more efficient way. 
Let's go back to 1791. It's a small village and Bill and Fred are talking to each other. Let's listen in on their conversation. Good morning, Bill. Morning, Fred. Did you hear that Mozart just died? It's a shame. I like the way he wrote music. Well, those days are over. So, Bill, what you doing with that hammer and chisel? Well, Fred, I'm opening a can. Oh, I love cans. Yes, they are so good for storing things and keeping them fresh. They do wear my arms out when I open them, though. You know, with all the hammering and the chiseling. Sure, but, you know, that's just the way people open cans. There's no other way. Well, see you, Fred. I'm not feeling well, so I'm going to apply leeches to my skin. Believe it or not, conversations exactly like this one went on for decades. It was 48 years after the invention of the tin can that someone invented the can opener. People can do things inefficiently for a really long time, even when the obvious solution is staring them in the face. That solution is Workiva, which takes the obvious step of linking data like numbers, narrative, and calculations across documents so you can collaborate in real time. Throw away the hammer and chisel and start thinking like Workiva. Learn more at WORKIVA.com. Penny, one other thing that was brought up at the event was this Deloitte report that showed the the current gap in the percentage of women and men in leadership roles is expected to persist at least for another decade. When it comes to leadership, that's something that I think is on every professional's mind to some extent. And, and I would love to hear what advice you have for women who are seeking to advance in their careers and, and maybe what advice you have for their managers who could maybe champion that advancement? Yeah, it's a great question. It's a question I get a lot in my position. And the one piece of advice I always start with, and I will probably always start with it until the day I die, is you have to take a risk. It's been proven in in a study, men are given promotions based on their potential and women are given promotions based on their past accomplishments. Go accomplish something that sounds scary. Take on a new project. You have to take on a risk. You have to put yourself out there. If you hate speaking publicly, go do it. Get a new job. Change your industry. Go figure out what kind of certification you want to get. Having an accomplishment really does start with taking a risk. You will not get out of your comfort zone without taking some sort of a risk. So think about your career as you take micro steps. And then you have these big steps, like maybe getting a promotion. But the micro steps are small milestones, or you had a great performance, you got noticed by somebody in your company that's very high up, but you you probably will hit those milestones more if you do something that scares the hell out of you. So number one, I would say, please just take a risk, figure out what that is. The next time something scares you, do it anyway. The other thing I would say is, and, and I did this in my career, and we did talk about this on the forum is get a career coach. This is not something you need to wait for your employer to tell you, hey, we're investing in you. Go invest in yourself. I did that a couple years ago and I, I just put a bid out there on LinkedIn and I interviewed a bunch of coaches and I found one that I really connected with and worked with him for about a year. And it helped me understand you know, what I don't see coming. It helped me see myself, again, what we were talking about earlier, through the lens of other people And a a good thing about a coach is you don't have to impress them because they're not your boss and they'll tell you the truth, right? A great coach will give it to you straight. So I do recommend 
trying to find a coach and try to find somebody that will work with you financially. It is going to be a significant investment, but there are ways to work around that. And somebody who loves to coach will find a way to work with you. If coaching is not part of your plan, if that's not something you could do right now, we always talk about finding a sponsor, finding a mentor. Don't find a mentor. People come up to me all the time and say, will you mentor me? And what you want is a sponsor, somebody who will get out into the organization and promote you. So they're not your teacher and te- and, and giving you one-on-one coaching lessons in terms of how to handle something, but they are your sponsor, the person that's going to connect you with other people in their network, introduce you to the C-suite, recommend you for projects that you never would have even known about. Um, asking somebody to be a sponsor is a little bit of a, an edge rather than asking for a mentorship. So those are my first two pieces of advice. You guys have any thoughts on that? Anything resonate with you guys? This should seem fairly obvious, but it is funny to me how just good advice is ungendered. I think what you're saying there about making choices that scare you is good advice for anyone, female, male, or otherwise. I think there's a lot more encouragement from the get-go for men to do that kind of thing. And I think there's also a simple piece of advice as far as this is simple but simple in philosophy but hard in execution you do need to find the places that support you you mentioned getting a coach or finding a sponsor your place of business can help in that can help pay for those sort of things can support you that way and if they don't you may need to start asking yourself is this the place i should be that's easy to say. It's along the same lines of making decisions and accomplishing something that scares you a little bit. You do have to be willing to say, okay, this place is not supporting me. I need to find another job, which is scary, uh, especially when you're already at a place. So a lot of professional advancement is, there's no other way of putting it, doing things that are uncomfortable and a little frightening. That's right. And people will see their career and and I want to be I'm this role and I want to go up to the next role, which to them seems naturally to be management, but it might not be management. It might be starting to manage projects, processes, customers. There's different ways to grow. It's not just managing people, but if you take the time to assess yourself, take some online assessments. If you have a coach or a sponsor, ask them where you can take some assessments to learn your strengths and weaknesses, figure out what is your career path. If you don't see your career path at your current company, it is time for you to expand. It is time for you to put yourself out on the market and see what you're worth. See what other company will give you a shot to do something that scares you. And that's okay. My advice isn't to everybody go find a new job tomorrow, but at some point, it has to be on your roadmap. I was just going to point out, Nick, you you actually articulated what, what was occurring to me is that whole notion of how helpful discomfort can be. I love to ski. I live in Salt Lake City, and I used to love skiing with people who were so much better than I am because I could look at them, I could watch them, I could get their critique, I could try to do what they do. That's kind of a homespun example, but in another setting in my career, love to interact with people who are harsh, tough critics. I want to get it raw. I want to get it unfiltered. I want you to make me uncomfortable and tell me what I'm doing wrong and maybe tell me what I'm doing right every once in a while. But I think that when it talks about, hey, go do something that's scary, I think being uncomfortable and getting that kind of raw feedback can be really scary, but that gives you the insight that you need in order to take off those rough edges and probably for things that nobody is otherwise willing to tell you, which really are the things that you probably need to address the most. Right. Getting uncomfortable because you get raw feedback is one thing. 
but then doing something that is scary and nailing it builds your confidence. People say to me all the time, and I think this comes with that assertive piece, Penny, you're very confident. You're, and I'm like, I'm confident 50% of the day, right? Like I'm, I am scared of things all the time. A couple of years ago, I had to speak at the Amplify keynote in front of thousands of people live. And that was terrifying. But once it was over, it just felt great. And that feeling after doing something really hard is the best feeling in the world. And that's where you'll find spaces that you didn't even know you had. And it'll help you take another risk. And that goes back to that first piece of advice. The discomfort from great feedback, but the discomfort from doing something that scares you, but the sweet spot is right after that, right? Like running a marathon too. It doesn't even need to be work-related. But you had also asked about managers and what can managers do? This is something maybe you've heard before, but it bears repeating is don't make your best performer your manager. So if you're looking to promote somebody, the person who hits all their metrics, the person who all the customers love or the or peers love, they may be great at their job, but that doesn't mean they're a great leader. Michael Jordan, I know I use sports analogies a lot. Michael Jordan never coached, right? He did one-to-one through peers, but he was never coached. You don't necessarily make your best player the coach. Look at your team and see who is everybody following naturally. And also look at your team and do you have diversity not just of gender and race, but of thought, gender and race too. But we sometimes make the mistake of taking advantage of the most faithful person on the team, assuming that their status quo is fine. You completely turn your lens of who you think will be a manager upside down and pick somebody that can raise the bar and wants to be the person that people are that are naturally following already. Choose them. I love this. This has been a great conversation. Unfortunately, we have reached the limit of our time today, but we will be back next week with more Penny Ashley Lawrence to continue discussing these important issues of women in leadership and accounting. Until then, my name is Nick Rinkowski, and this has been Off the Books. So please subscribe, leave an Apple Podcast review, or tell your friends if you like the show. If you want to be on the show, if you want to yell at us, if you want to tell us what we've gotten wrong about women's issues in accounting, you can do all of that at offthebooks at workiva.com. Surf's up, and we'll see you on the next wave.